The Source of Truth is an audio recording of Pastor Ronnie Love sharing Christian encouragement and biblical truth. We hope this podcast can help make your path a bit brighter today. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. We're going to continue in Genesis chapter 37, and we've been going through this, this account of the life of Joseph, one of the sons of Jacob, at this point now known as Israel. Remember, Jacob's name was changed. He wrestled with God, and his name was changed from Jacob, which means supplanter in Israel, to supplanter and deceiver, to Israel, and really blessed one. And he became the name that was established, the 12 tribes, the 12 sons of Israel, and or 13 in reality. But um, when we look at this story, we're going to see a lot of the foundational premises of what takes place um, in using the life of Joseph. Um, I'm going to look at a couple thoughts. We've been going through the idea of living the dream, and today I want to talk about the idea of what happens when our dreams are dashed. What happens when things come into our lives that destroy or kind of change or, or, or hinder what we think God's plans are. We talked a little bit about the Sunday morning in Acts and we said that when God challenges our thinking, we're convinced things need to be a certain way to get to heaven. We're convinced things need to be a certain way and God should act a certain way and then God intervenes and challenges all of that thinking. It's really good. It's very healthy. How do we react to that? I want to just look at two things. There's one that's been a thought of my, been on my heart for a while and so we're going to start with that back in verse number 11. I've been thinking about this ever since we read it. In verse 11 we're at the end where Joseph is already he's, he's announcing his second dream. He's had two dreams. The second one is the stars and the sun and moon bow down to him which the reason the sun and moon are, it references him, references the parents and uh, so he just got done telling them that God has given him a dream that he will rule and reign one day and all of his family including his parents will bow down to him in some level of royalty. And so verse 11 says this, And his, brothers, his brethren envied him, but his father observed the saying. You know, I look at this idea of observed. He considered. He thought through the saying. And here's, here's what I look at when I see that. Why is it that the brother would envy and be somewhat frustrated and angry at him, but his father observed it? Well, here's one of the things that I want us to consider. This is Israel or Jacob. Uh, go through Jacob's life. Jacob was a supplanter, deceiver. Um, he got his birthright that way. He got the blessing that way. Um, he runs away to Laban, who promises him his younger daughter, and he ends up marrying Leah. And then all of these things happen where his, his father-in-law really treats him just like he treated other people. And then he comes back to Esau, who has every right to be angry and all. And then finally, as God begins to show him visions of the latter, and then he's wrestling with Jesus, all these things take place. And you know what I see? I see a man that was kind of doing his own thing for a long period of time and finally decided to get right with God. And he wrestles with God all night long. And finally, God says, you'll no longer be known as the deceiver. We're going to call you Israel. Can you imagine how, after all of the experiences that Jacob had, learning and growing and just, just the personal experiences with God, how when his 17-year-old son now tells him that God has spoken to him, what well, must have gone through Jacob's mind? He maybe sit back and remember all the things that God did in giving him visions because that happened to Jacob. So imagine him sitting there just excited maybe. What's the next step? I mean, God clearly told me a lot of the things that have us where we are now. He's doing that now to my son. It must have been exciting. And so even though you know, he sat back like, really, are you sure what's really going on? He said, God's got a plan because he'd seen God's plan in action before. 
One of the things I think is so important of any of us who would be older, anybody who have kids in our home or people around us, can I tell you, there, there is an important aspect of walking with God. When you can look back on your life and see how God answered prayer, when you can look back on your life and see how God directed in the midst of storms, in the midst of battles, I mean, 2020, this, this time in our life should help us to see God in such a unique and true and powerful way that we can tell generation upon generation in the midst of what the world considers to be one of the harder times of the last century, look what God did. You know, it's easy for us to focus on complaining about a year or complaining about this, but look at all that God can do and is doing. And yeah, we're not all back to what we'd want to be, you now back to normal, but God is doing something unique, and are we going to grow in it? Are we going to learn from it? But Jacob, because of his experience, was able to see what God was doing in other lives. And you know, our experience is what gives us the strength to trust God to move on with God. And, and, and it was Jacob's experience that made him recognize. Now, I find it interesting that Jacob observed the saying, God's doing something, and it wasn't long later that, as far as he's concerned, Joseph died. I wonder if jo Jacob didn't spend time in prayer and say, God, you came efficient. Why would you allow this to happen? All of these things, it's interesting. Just we, You could sit back and wonder from our perspective what they must have thought. But let's go back down to the passage I really wanted to talk about today. Um, Joseph had, remember, um, he had gone out to where? His brothers were not, went to the next place. He kept finding him. Now he's found where they were. And so in verse 18, we pick up his brothers see him coming from a distance. In verse 18, it says, And when they saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. And they said one to another, Behold, this dreamer cometh. They begin to mock him. Verse 20, Come now, therefore, and let us slay him, and cast him into some pit. And we will say, Some evil beast hath devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dreams. And Reuben heard it, and he delivered him out of their hands and said, Let us not kill him. And Reuben said unto him, Shed no blood, but cast him into his pit that is in the wilderness, and lay no hand upon him, that he might rid him out of their hands to deliver them from their father again. Now we pick up at 23. And it came to pass when Joseph was coming to his brethren that they stripped Joseph of his coat, his coat of many colors that was on him. And they took him and cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty, and there was no water in it. And they sat down to eat bread, and they lifted up their eyes and locked, and locked, and behold, a com or look, yeah, and behold, a company of Ishmaelites came from Gilead with their camels, bearing spicery and balm and myrrh, going to carry it down to Egypt. And Judah said unto his brethren, What profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? Come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hands be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh. And his brethren were content. Then there passed by many knights, merchantmen. And they drew out and lifted up Joseph out of the pit and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver. And they brought Joseph into Egypt. Here's really what I want to focus for the last few minutes when we think about this. Joseph is in obedience. Uh, he could have easily said, listen, my brothers were supposed to be here. They've left. God, Jacob, Dad, I went where I was supposed to. I'm coming home. He kept going further. And it was his obedience going the extra mile that actually put him in a place where he was so far away that his brothers could kill him, sell him, and his father would never know. And so he comes in and he, they grab him, they grab his coat off of him, which obviously shows a major level of frustration towards all that that coat symbolized, and they throw him into the pit. And you imagine that, uh, what must be going through Joseph's mind. 
Now, humanly speaking, here's what we think. God, you've given me this vision, and you told me great things are going to happen for me. And so in our human mind, we think, therefore, man, my life's set up. This is great. And then my brothers take me and throw me into a pit. And you begin to wonder, humanly speaking, would Joseph sat back and say, God, man, this, is, <laughs> this doesn't make sense. You were supposed to have done this. You gave me a dream. And maybe even begin to argue a little bit with Jesus, with God, to say, this is the dream. This doesn't work. Well, in the eyes of, of humanity, it wouldn't work, but in the eyes of God, it was clear. And this is where, humanly speaking, Joseph could have believed that his dreams were dashed. Now, by the way, we know that to not be true because he didn't complain about that. He didn't fuss when he was with the Ishmaelites, sold to Potiphar. He wasn't fussed when he, he, didn't, he didn't say anything. There's no recording of scripture of when he was lied to and ended up in prison. He continued to hold on to the dream, the promise, the vision that God had given him. And in his back of his mind, I have to assume, and we don't, this scripture doesn't state, but I have to believe that the thing that kept Joseph strong through all of these things is that God does not make mistakes and God gave a vision, God gave a dream, and therefore somehow this was going to work. I don't know, but somehow it is. And I would encourage us in our daily lives, how many times do we see circumstances change and we say, but that doesn't make sense. It's not going to work this way. And we become nervous, uh, frustrated, paranoid, Lord, but all these things. Because here's what happens. We believe where God's leading us based upon scripture, based upon God's leading, based upon time together in church. All these things we begin, we believe that. And so believing that, we, we begin to see God moving things into our life to make what we believe is going to happen. Then all of a sudden it all falls apart. Everything we think changes. And we say, but God, it doesn't make sense. This is where we are. This is where we're going. Here's what it's so important for us to remember. Yes, God has given us a dream and a vision and an end, but it rarely gets there. The process is rarely the way we think it is for a lot of reasons. One, we have finite minds. We have human minds. There's no way we can see the future and all that God's going to do. It just doesn't make sense. So we see all these things and we say, Lord, I don't understand. I understand why this is happening. And with all that making place, if we went off of our human mind, man, we'd make some bad decisions, wouldn't we? I mean, we, we'd make decisions based on our circumstances, based on our emotions, based on our fears. I mean, just in the last few months, how many things, decisions have we made based upon our circumstances? And we say, but what's God doing? Well, God's got a plan. The question is, what am I going to learn? from this. Joseph allowed the pit, the pot of his house in prison to prepare him for the day that he stood in front of Pharaoh. And we'll, we'll look through these. So the one first principle I look at is that Joseph did not immediately react when his dreams were dashed, when we would think it was. When everything seemed, humanly speaking, to say, what, what you believe is happening is not happening. I'm sure his brothers thought that. Dreamer, come. We're taking your coat. Everything you thought you had is gone, having no idea. They were actually being used of God to fulfill his plan. Can I tell you one thing that's unique? This is, I wasn't even planning to say this, but there are times in life where people uh, may say, lie against you and slander against you. It's, just, it's, it's unfortunately part of being around other people. And I wish I could say that never happened in church, and I wish I could say that didn't happen amongst Christian friends, but sometimes it does. You know, it's amazing how in those situations God can use those to fulfill his plan. Sometimes that will happen in your work. It'll happen in your life by people um, who have, they're not Christians. They're just part of the, the, you know, the world. They don't know Jesus, and yet God can use them to fulfill his plan. God is in control of everything happening in our world right now, and he's using it to fulfill his ultimate plan right now, the stage of his plan for his church. 
He's in control of all of it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to just finish with just three thoughts that I think are, are, are principles that are so, so important when we find that, like Joseph did, everything seemed to be great. I'm walking with God. I'm doing right. I'm in obedience. And all of a sudden, everything changes. First of all is this. Please remember, our circumstances will change. Right? Life circumstances change. Uh, to think that what we think is happening now will never change is not a healthy thought. To think that what we are convinced is going to be five years down the road is not a healthy thought. We have to make sure that we understand that circumstances will change. Uh, it's just the way it is. And so we need to be flexible. We've learned that a little bit this last year, but we need to be flexible in trusting in God. These things will change. Why do we say it's important to know, excuse me, know these things are going to change? So when they do, we don't react. How many times when, when life changes and it so seems like there's no way God's plan can work, do we react? We get frustrated, hurt, nervous, discouraged, depressed. God is, uh, God is aware of our circumstances, of our changes, and he's got a plan. So the important thing, back to Jacob, the important thing that Joseph, I'm sure, learned from Jacob was closeness to God. So, so important in our daily life. So when these things happen, they may not make sense, but boy, we can have comfort from the Holy Spirit to know that he is in control. So number one, circumstances will change. Number two, God is on the throne. Now, that is a phrase we hear a lot, but I tell you, that is a very, very important truth. God is on the throne. He's in control. And people say this, Pastor, Satan is the prince of the power in the air. He's in control. Can I tell you, Satan's only allowed to do what God gives him freedom to do. We learned this from Job. He was still the prince and power in the air during the time of Job, but he couldn't touch Job or anything he had until God gave him permission. Please understand, especially as Christians, we, you know, God is not sitting back wringing his fingers because he gave this, 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 this Satan freedom, one of his angels freedom. God is, remember, Satan's a created being right? by Jesus, by God. Uh, please understand that God's in control. And that he will use presidents, he will use princes, he will use kings, he will use bosses, he will use friends, he will use enemies, and all of these people to fulfill his plan, if we are desiring to follow his plan. So, circumstances will change, God's will, God is sovereign, he's on the throne, he never changes. Those two things are important. Number three, be active where God has you now. Be faithful where God has you now. If my circumstances change for God's good, for my good and God's glory, and God is always on the throne, what do I do? Be faithful where, God, where I'm at now. Be faithful where I'm at now. Uh, let me just, a little bit of transparency as a pastor. Um, I never thought that on a daily basis I'd be sharing devotions with people, large portion of people who for good reason can't, are, are nervous being around other people due to their condition. It makes sense. I never thought that would be like that. I never thought that a good 25%, if not more, of the people who I consider our church family cannot make it, just cannot make it to the service. And I can become frustrated or discouraged for you as well as for me. Can I tell you? <laughs> be faithful where God has you. Be faithful. And God is reminding me, listen, all we can do is be faithful in the midst of these times. I don't know all what God's going to do from this, but I know what I can do. Until God has totally let me see everything he's doing, be faithful. Let me encourage you. That's what God has taught me. And I hope, I hope that I still do that. There's days that I'm not good at that. There's days I'm better at that. But I hope that's what we do. And I encourage you to be faithful in these areas. You know, your circumstances have changed. Trust God in the midst of them. Be faithful. Serve where you can. Pray if you can't. If you can't serve somewhere, be involved in prayer. Do what you can and say, Lord, I don't know what it is. Then spend time with God and say, open doors, because right now I don't even know where to go. 
I encourage you to do that. Stay close to God. Staying close to God is one of the most important things we can do in this time, to see all that God can do and all that God will do. Thank you so much for taking this Tuesday morning uh, to take time to join us as we're in the Word of God. We hope this is a help, hope it's an encouragement. If it is, we hope you share it with people, uh, tell us about it, um, submit, sub, um, subscribe to iTunes and other Spotify and other things for our podcast, the audio version. Like our Facebook page, uh, subscribe or like the YouTube channel. And that's a huge encouragement to us and share it with others. And we hope that God will use this to be a help and draw people to the Word of God, which truly is the only answer in a crazy world where so much craziness is out to the truth of the Word of God. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to seeing you again next time.